2 Timothy chapter 4. Well, when there's something wonderful that happens in your life, especially if it's something that's really, really good and delightful, something like having a baby or getting engaged, what do you want to do? You want to tell people, right? Well, there's someone here this morning that has some good news, and they have been grinning for the last few weeks because they got engaged, or he got engaged, and that is Ankles down here. So let's congratulate Ankles. I got engaged to Elizabeth, and they'll, they'll get married in May. So, Lord willing. But when you get engaged, you want to herald that announcement, that good news. When there is danger, then you want to, or probably should, herald the news that warns people to get out of danger. When there is a tragedy in our nation, the president or other leaders get on the TV and they herald words of comfort, and that's appropriate. A herald is a messenger that, that publicly announces important information. And in our text here today, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 4, God instructs the church to herald God's word before God's people. The big idea of this text in 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 4, is found in verse 2. You can see it right there, where we are commanded to preach the word. So the big idea here is that we, as Lighthouse Bible Church, must preach the word. In fact, if you look up in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, you can see this, this whole conversation started up there. When Paul reminded Timothy that we are in the last days, we are in the end of times. We looked at this last week and in 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9, Paul described those last days as, as a time when people and when culture, we fixated on the desires of the self. And this is our world in which we live. Our world is fixated on worshiping the self. Loving the self, fulfilling the desires of the self. Our world loves pleasure more than God. Our world has a perverted view of love. And that's verses 1 through 9. And that's how you know you're in the last days. And so what's the answer to the, to the world, to our world that has a, a warped view of self? And really a world that doesn't live in the reality of God. Well, Paul argues in 2 Timothy 3 that it's the word of God. And you can see that in verse 16, chapter 3, verse 16, that God has given us his word. All scripture is breathed out by God and it's profitable. And how does God's word profit us? It, it teaches, it reproves, it corrects, it instructs. It, in verse 17, equips us to be the the men and the women of God that God wants us to be. And so, so the, really the question is, how does that work? Like, how does God take his word and change us? 
How does God take his word and equip us to be the person God wants us to be? And the answer to that is found in chapter 4. God supernaturally ministers to our soul through the preaching of God's word. Really, chapter 3 is kind of building, and it crescendos in chapter 4, verse 2, with the command, therefore, preach the word. God powerfully works in our church by the power of the Holy Spirit through the preaching of his word. Church, do we desire to have God work in our hearts? Do we desire to have God do a work in our church? If that's the case, then we will desire the preaching of God's word. Do we really want revival? Do we really want to see the the pouring out of God's spirit upon our nation, upon our city, upon us? Then we need to preach the word. J.I. Packer wrote this, history tells of no significant church growth, no expansion of the gospel without preaching. What history points to, rather, is that all movements of revival, reformation, missionary outreach have had preaching at their center, instructing, energizing, sometimes purging, redirecting, often spearheading the whole movement. And it would seem then that preaching is always necessary for a proper sense of mission to be evoked and sustained anywhere in the church. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 1 through 4 teaches us that Lighthouse Bible Church must preach the word, and be under the preaching of the word. I'm going to read 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm going to start in verse 15, and then we're going to end in chapter 4, verse 4. Would you stand with me as I read God's word? 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 15. This is the word of the Lord, verse 15. And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but will, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth 
and wander off into myths. Father, we ask that you will help us by the illuminating work of the Spirit to understand this text. And Lord, above all else, help us to live this out by faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The idea of preaching the Bible is not popular in our culture. Our culture rejects the value of preaching. Frankly, many churches and Christians and even pastors reject the value of teaching. And this rejection of the preaching of God's word is not new. I was reading about Martin Lloyd-Jones. He was a physician in the 1930s. He was a doctor and he decided to leave that profession and become a pastor. And he did so because he believed that the preaching of God's word could powerfully save souls, change people's lives even more than he was doing as a physician. And so he became a pastor and pastored his first church. And when he went to that church... They had as really the primary part of their service, a drama club that did a a gospel story or did some type of moving drama reenactment. And then they had a music group that would come in the mornings and sometimes in the evenings. And that music group was to attract people so they could hear the gospel and and so they they could get people to come to the church service. When he came to be the pastor, he... He put the pulpit in the middle of the stage. He got rid of the drama team. He stopped the music group. And he said that he was going to get in that pulpit and he was going to preach Christ. And as a result of his preaching, Philip Eveson estimates that in his 11 years at that church, over 500 people came to know Christ as their savior and joined that church. And one of those was his own wife. It's interesting how God used the preaching of his word to revive that church. Are we convinced that Lighthouse must preach the word of God? I mean, are we persuaded that each of us, each of us needs to be under the preaching of God's word? Do you share that absolute conviction? And what I want to do this morning is I want to persuade, not by my word, not by my opinion, but by God's word, that we as a church must be committed to preaching the word of God, and we as a church must be committed to sitting under the preaching of God's word. And so first of all, I want to ask the question, why must we preach the word and be under the preaching of the word? And the first reason we find in verse 1 of chapter 4 is because preaching the word is a matter of obedience. It's a matter of obedience. Look at verse 1. Paul wrote to Pastor Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, verse 2, preach the word. So here the apostle Paul wrote this pastor, Timothy, a pastor he discipled. In fact, letters 1 and 2, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, gave instructions to this pastor of how to shepherd God's church. 
And here in chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, we find the primary responsibility of a pastor is to shepherd God's people by preaching the word of God. Paul warned Timothy in verse 1 there not to neglect what God had commissioned him to do. Notice verse 1. He says, I charge you. The charge here, it gives the picture of Pastor Timothy being called before God in the presence of God, before Christ, and he's being put under oath to, to promise that he will faithfully stand in the pulpit and preach the word of the Lord. Notice in verse 2, the word preach is an imperative. That's a command. It's a present tense. It's something that must keep happening. It's an ongoing responsibility. He is to obey. So, so preaching is not a, a tradition our church follows. It's not just a Christian, it's not a Christian TED talk. It's not, a, it's not just a, a ritual that we follow. Preaching is a mandate by God. Preaching is commanded by God. And therefore, preaching is a matter of obedience for God's church. If Lighthouse Bible Church does not faithfully preach the word, we as a church are disobeying God. If we as members don't value and prioritize the preaching of the word, we are disobeying God. If I, as, the, as a pastor, don't accurately, faithfully proclaim God's word, I am disobeying God. If you, as a member of this body, are not committed to being under the preaching of God's word, you are disobeying God. That's how God views it. That's how we should view it. It's a matter of obedience for pastors to stand up here and preach the word of God. It's a matter of obedience for those in the church to be under the preaching of God's word. When I was growing up, I don't ever remember missing church. Whenever the doors were open, I remember we went in and sat down Sunday morning, Sunday evening, Wednesday night, sometimes even throughout the week. We were the crazy ones in our area, in our neighborhood that got in the car all the time and went to church. I think our, I think our neighbors thought we lived there. Then, then I went to college and I had this new independence. There were times where I could choose to go and not go and frankly, no one would know. I went to school in Wisconsin. My parents lived in Indiana and I can remember one time that I was not feeling the greatest Maybe had like the man flu or something like that. You know what that is? You kind of have a little cold and you're like, oh, I can't do anything today. And I probably was healthy enough to go to church. But I thought, well, I'll just stay home. I don't really feel the greatest. And I remember feeling this intense guilt. I knew I should be in church. I think that's an appropriate guilt we should have. Because what I was trained growing up, and one thing I came to my own conviction on is that I must obey the Lord by being under the preaching of the word of God. We must preach the word and be under the word because the preaching of the word is a matter of obedience. Also because preaching the word prepares you for judgment and eternity. Notice verse 1, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, who is to judge the living and the dead. 
by his appearing and his kingdom. Pastors are to preach the word considering that God the Father has appointed Jesus Christ the judge of the living and the dead. Who are the living and the dead? Well, that's a way of saying all people. There are only two groups of people who who have ever been on this earth, and those are those who are alive now or those who have already died. So he's saying all people. Jesus Christ is the judge of all people, which means there's also a day of judgment. In verse 1, it speaks about his appearing and his kingdom. And so that day of judgment is coming soon. In fact, we saw in chapter 3, verse 1, that we are in the last days. And what he's saying here is he's saying the last, the end of the last days is when Christ judges us. When Jesus comes back and he sets up his kingdom and then he judges all those before his throne. And so we are to preach the word. We are to be under the word in light of the coming judgment. And how does preaching prepare us for this judgment? Well, first of all, preaching warns us. Preaching warns us of the coming great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment is spoken of in Revelation chapter 20. And you can read about it there. I put it also on the screen. In Revelation 20, 12, it says that this judgment is one for those who have not repented and believed in Christ while they were on this earth. And all those attending there will be the great and the small, the the significant, the insignificant, the kings, the presidents, the queens, also the peasants, the poor, the middle class, everyone without Christ will stand before that judgment. Romans 2.16 says that Christ will judge the secrets of man. That means each person will stand before Jesus and he will reveal what really happened in their hearts and in their lives. He will consider every hidden thought. He will reveal every evil deed. He will identify every lie. He will discern every selfish motive. He will bring up everything you have ever done wrong. And he will condemn each person as guilty. And since they are guilty, what will he do? What does the text on the screen say that will happen? Well, he will condemn them to eternal death in the lake of fire. This is not my opinion. This is not something I came up with or something someone came up centuries ago. This is what God's word teaches. And so preaching warns there is a day of judgment. There is a day you will stand before Jesus Christ. But also preaching gives hope. It offers hope for salvation. Hope that there's a way that you can be forgiven. You can be saved gives hope that the one who is the future judge can save you now. He can save you before that day of judgment. Peter preached this in Acts chapter 10. Notice the wording here, Acts 10, 42 on the screen up here. And he, that's Jesus, commanded us to preach to the people. So notice the command came straight from Jesus Christ to preach And to testify that he, that's Jesus, is the one appointed by God to be judge 
of the living and the dead. So there he is. He's the judge. To him all the prophets bear witness. This is all the scripture. The scripture says this. That everyone who believes in him, in Jesus Christ, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. This is the hope found in preaching. Preaching isn't just condemnation. Preaching is hope that you can have salvation through Jesus Christ. And what's the message? What's the message God has for you? Because I want you to recognize right now, God is speaking to you. Yes, it's me, my words, but I'm telling you what God says. And God's message to you is this. Everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Forgiveness is release. It's the idea of a, someone who's in prison and they get released from prison. Someone who is guilty, who is declared not guilty. And what Jesus Christ does for us is he gives us the gift of forgiveness. And friend, if you're in here without Christ, your soul is imprisoned. Your soul is dead. Your soul is weighed down with the chains of guilt, and there's only one person who can free you, there's only one person who can forgive you, and that's Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ came to this earth, Jesus Christ perfectly obeyed his Father, Jesus Christ went to the cross, and he paid the full penalty of your sins on that cross. He absorbed God's wrath as it was poured out upon him, and he took your place on that cross and he rose again and he's in heaven and he can and he will forgive you if you turn from your sin and if you believe in him as your lord and savior which means in a moment in an instant when you believe in him all your sins past present and future the condemnation for your sins is gone that's what forgiveness means it's all gone it's under the blood of Jesus Christ. He'll never bring it up again. You are forever a child of God. That's the hope of preaching. And friend, if you're in here without Jesus Christ, Jesus offers that hope to you. You can be saved. So God gives the church the gift of preaching that gives warning and gives hope. But it's not just to save us from that great white throne judgment. As Christians, preaching also prepares us for eternity and for another judgment, actually. It's the judgment seat of Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is not a, a judgment of condemnation. It's the one where all of us as believers stand before Jesus. It's like an award ceremony where we come before Jesus and he says, you trusted me and you, you did these works in my name and you did it by, did it by faith. And we come before him and we say, well, we didn't do it by our own strength. We only did it by your grace. And we, we cast our rewards back at him and say, it's all by you, Lord. It's all of you. We did nothing in ourselves. We only did it by your grace. And, and what we're doing on earth with preaching is preparing us for that time. And then to be able to live with him and serve him for eternity. And so preaching prepares you for judgment and for eternity. Also, we must preach because preaching the word is God's means, is God's means to speak to his church. Again, look at verse 2. Preach the word. What word is that? Those are the words, the word 
of God. The word preach means, again, to herald. It's the idea of a, of a king's messenger who walks into a city. He stands before a crowd. He authoritatively announces the word of the king. And a herald does that, not declaring his own message. He does not speak of his own authority. A herald, a preacher, he proclaims the word of the one who commissioned him to do that. And this is what pastors are to do. This is what anyone who stands in this pulpit is to do. They are not to preach themselves. They're not to preach their own ideas. They're not to preach their own opinions. They must preach what God's word says. The New Testament word for preach here is found first in the New Testament in Matthew chapter 3, verse 1, to speak about John the Baptist who preached. The second time it shows up is in Matthew 4, 17, when it talks about Jesus preaching. And over and over in the New Testament, this word for preach is used of God's messengers taking God's word, explaining God's word, declaring God's word, preaching the word of the Lord. And preachers are to preach God's word. Let me just show this to you briefly. Would you turn with me to someone who likes country music, I guess, there? Would you go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1? 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. If you have your Bible or if you have a phone, the app, the Bible on the app there, go to 1 Thessalonians 1. I'm going to just walk through a few verses and demonstrate this. This isn't Paul just telling Timothy to do this here. Paul actually did this himself. Paul didn't get up and preach about himself. He didn't preach his own ideas. He preached what God's word said. He did that to the church in Thessalonica. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. The scripture says, and we, that's Paul and the other ministers of the gospel with him. We also thank God constantly for this. Here's what we praise God for, for this church. That when you received, when you welcomed the word of God. So notice what was the content of his preaching? It was the word of God, which you heard from us. That's preaching. You accepted it, not as the word of men. You didn't accept it as our opinions, but as what it really is, what the truth is about their preaching. And that is the word of God, which is at work in you believers. So notice in the church in Thessalonica, they preached the word of God, not the word of man. That is an important distinction right there. It's important for the preacher in the pulpit to make sure he's not preaching his own words or the words of pop culture or the words of this world. It's important for the congregation also to listen to preaching as if God is preaching himself. It's his words that are being declared. And I would say it this way, to the degree that pastors accurately preach the word is to the degree that God is speaking. Would you agree with that? To the degree that pastors accurately preach the word is the degree to which God is speaking. Have you ever told one of your children, when you had children in the home, did you ever tell them to go tell one of the other children something? You know, go send a message to them and then 
then the message somehow gets distorted, you know, and you go in there and you find out, you didn't actually tell them what I told you to tell them. Did they declare your word to the other child? Absolutely not. It's only your word to the degree that it's accurately communicated. And that's the same thing in the pulpit. Just because I'm speaking doesn't mean God's speaking. God's speaking as I accurately and faithfully communicate what his word says. But they accepted it, not as the word of man, but what it really is, the word of God. And notice, which works, which is at work in you believers. Notice how God works in believers. It's through the preaching of the word as they believe the preaching of God's word. There's something special. There's something special that happens here every Sunday that doesn't happen in other places in your life. There's a special work that God is doing during this time. God, in a special way, is present with us. His Holy Spirit is within us and powerfully working, and he's working through the ministry of the preaching of God's word. In fact, just go back to 1 Thessalonians 1.5. 1 Thessalonians 1.5. That's one chapter back. And I want you to notice this. 1 Thessalonians 1.5. Notice Paul says that he preached the word, but not in word only. In verse 5 it says, in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. It's not just I'm getting up here and here's God's word. There's a special power that is working within us. It's the Holy Spirit's work in your heart. That's why I I firmly believe that church can't be online. It's kind of a popular thing in some areas that we should or we could have church online. Maybe we should do that. No, there's something special about meeting together as God's people. There's something special that God is doing within our hearts during this time. And and let me just say, it's it's helpful to listen to sermons online. It's helpful to listen to them in your car. I'm not saying that. But during the actual moment of preaching, God's spirit is at work in a unique way. And so we we trust that God can work in our life through preaching. And in fact, notice, go back to 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Just notice the very end of that. Because he says that at the end of that verse, which is at work, which is at work in you believers. I mean, do you want God to work in your life? It's through the preaching of his word as you believe. Let me show you another one. 1 Thessalonians 4.15. Two chapters over. 1 Thessalonians 4.15. For this we declare to you by the word. Notice it's from the Lord. It's not their own idea. It's not their own word. Go to 2 Thessalonians 3.1. So next book. Next book of the Bible. 2 Thessalonians 3.1. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord. Notice the word of God. The word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 2. So in the book that we have been in, or are in, 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul is chained up in prison. In 2 Timothy 2, 9, he says, For which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. So he was locked up, chained up for preaching the word. But notice this, 
but the word of God is not bound. You can bind up the preacher, but you can't bind up the power of God's word. How about verse 15, 2 Timothy 2, 15, talking to Timothy, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. The, the, the whole point I'm trying to make here is this, is that God's means to speak to his church is through the preaching of his word. And then, fourth, we must preach the word. Because preaching the word is how God ministers grace that corrects, commands, and comforts his people. I wonder what it would look like for Lighthouse Bible Church. I wonder what it looked like for churches across America if people really believed that God's word is true and if pastors truly preached it as God's word and if congregations truly believed it to be God's word. I wonder how that would change how a pastor conducts himself in the pulpit. I wonder how that would change his, a pastor's prayer life. These are, these are questions that this past week I, I was asking myself this. I wonder how that would change how a person listens to God's word in the pew. One of the works of God in our life, one of the ways he ministers grace through the preaching of God's word is he changes us. He, he corrects us. He commands us. He comforts his people. Notice verse number two. There are five commands for pastors and for churches that relate to preaching. The first command is to preach the word. Notice that verse two, preach the word. Notice the second command is be ready, to be ready in season and out of season. To be ready means to stand at the ready. It's the picture of a guard that's protecting. Think of a, the tomb of the unknown soldier and of that guard that goes back and forth. Or if you've been to England, you've seen the Buckingham Palace, you see those guards out there. And you know, there's, there's real bullets in those guns. Sometimes you might look at it and think, what are they really protecting, right? Well, you might think about it this way. They are guarding out of season. In other words, you might think, well, there's no reason to do that. No, there is a reason to do that. They're, they're really protecting those precious sites. You are to guard in season and out of season if you're a guard that's doing your job. In other words, when it's convenient, when it's not convenient, when it's raining, when it's sunny, when people think it's useless and when people know it's useful, and that's, that's the preaching of God's word. A pastor is to stand, to stand in the pulpit. He, he's to guard the, the, the church with his word, with God's word. Pastors are to stand guard over God's flock, preaching the word, no matter what the culture thinks, no matter if you see fruit, no matter how one feels, no matter how big or financially viable the church is, we are, as a church, as pastors, to keep preaching, to be faithful. And then notice the next three commands in verse 2. These commands instruct what the preacher is to do with the word. He is to reprove. He is to rebuke. He is to exhort. And then notice the last two nouns in that verse give the manner in which he is to do it with complete patience and teaching. So preaching God's word in this way is God's means to minister grace to us. 
to our congregation. I mean, preaching God's word in this way is, is how God saves souls. It's how God changes hearts, renews minds. And I want you to notice a link between 2 Timothy 3.16 and 2 Timothy 4.2. In fact, if you have that on the same page, you can kind of put your finger on verse 16 and verse in chapter 3 and put your finger on verse 2 in chapter 4. And if it's on a different page, you might have to turn the page back and forth. But I want you to, to show you the connection between both of these verses. Look in 2 Timothy chapter 3, which says the scripture, all scripture is breathed out by God. It's profitable for what? What's the next word? It's profitable to teach, for teaching. And, and notice the link between the scriptures that teaches and then the pastor that preaches by teaching the word. Go to uh, chapter 4, verse 2, and notice the last word of chapter 4 and verse 2 is what? What's the last word? It's teaching. They share the same Greek word. And the idea here is that, that a pastor is to take the word that teaches, and the pastor is to teach the word of God. Notice another connection between these. Chapter 3, verse 16, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for, what's the next word? Reproof. The, the noun reproof, that's a noun there, is found in its verb form in chapter 4, verse 2, as what? As reproof. And the same, they share the same a root word. And the point is, what I want you to see here is that a pastor is to take the word that is powerful to change your life, and he is to declare that, and that's powerful to change the hearts and minds of those who are listening. And so go back to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. Notice these three commands that instruct the preacher what to do with the word. He is to reprove, rebuke, and to exhort. Reprove means to correct. So that's why I say God ministers grace that corrects. It means to, to point out what is wrong. Is that my job as a pastor to correct? That seems a little condescending, doesn't it? It seems a little arrogant. Oh, that guy up there, he's going to correct me. Well, it's not if I'm just explaining what God's word says. That's why I've said this before. That's why I believe that expositional preaching preaching in a way that just explains what God's word says and calls us all to obey it is biblical preaching. Because if I were, if I were to be like many uh, television pastors, you know what I'm talking about. These television pastors, they say, oh, it's Saturday night, oh, I, I got to go home and I got to go to my study and I got to figure out what I'm going to say to the people the next day. What do you do if you do that? You're probably thinking, what are the problems in the church? Okay, the giving is low. Oh, I need to preach on giving, you know. Oh, oh these people have some marriage problems and there's some bitterness. So I'm going to preach on bitterness. And what happens is you harp on those people's issues. So you get up in the pulpit and you're like, hey, I'm going to talk about these different issues. And, but when you do expo expositional preaching, whatever the text is that you come to next is the text that God has for us. And if God wants us to correct something, it's God correcting something. And what's really remarkable to me, I know this happens in my life, and I know others have testified of this as well, is that when God brings us to a text of scripture, it's just the text of scripture that we needed. It's something that we're going through. It's something that, that maybe we're struggling with, or maybe it's something that we have not seen in our life, and God points it out in our life. And so what God does through preaching is he corrects us. He shows us where we're wrong the next word is rebuke. That means to strictly command, to order one to obey. 
So what is a pastor to command the congregation to do? In Hebrews, it says that you're to obey your leaders. Some people go see that and they go, oh, that sounds very dictatorial. Well, you're to obey your leaders as they instruct you to obey God's word. And, and that's why it's not helpful for a pastor to get up and start giving commands that aren't found in God's word. And that's where pastors go astray, I think, as they get up and they say, you know, this is how I do life. So you should do this, 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 and this. Well, that's great. You do life that way. But is that what God says? So pastors are to rebuke, to strictly command, but they're to do that in regard to God's word. Here's what God's word says. And they're to exhort. That means to call alongside, to encourage, to comfort. And again, a pastor is to comfort with God's word, with God's promises, with the hope of Jesus Christ. So a pastor corrects, he commands, he comforts with God's word, and he must do so, look at verse number two, with complete patience and teaching. Patience means the preacher is called to be faithful and trust that God is the one who grows the people. Patience means spiritual growth, change in a person's life, in the life of a church, takes time. Patience means that each one of us, the pastor, the elders, all of us as a congregation, each one of us must recognize that we are all growing spiritually and we are all at different stages of spiritual growth. So patience means that as a pastor gets up and he preaches God's word, he does so recognizing that different people are in different stages and spiritual growth takes time. Some of you have just germinated and are new growing Christian sprouts. Others have grown a little bit more and are these budding Christian saplings. Some of you are mature Christians. And the point is, is that there's patience that's needed. I came to this church about four and a half years ago. So I came in the summer of 2018. Doesn't seem like it's, seems like it's been a lot shorter. But anyways, as I think about the last four and a half years and I think about the next years the Lord has for us, it can be easy sometimes if you're in the pulpit or maybe if you're in the pew out there and you get with people and to be impatient. Why is that person doing that? Why is that person immature? Why does this person not do this? Why am I immature? Why am I not doing this? It's because you know what? No one becomes a seed to an oak tree overnight. Like if you want a, a, a tree to grow, if you plant a, a seed in the ground and you want that tree to grow, it's not going to take place. It's not going to grow overnight, is it? It's going to take years of watering, of caring for that plant. And if, if we want our church to grow, it's not going to be overnight. And you know what I'm talking about when I'm talking about growth? I'm not talking about numbers. Of, and that Obviously, souls are numbers. Numbers are souls. I'm talking about spiritual growth. It, it takes time. It, it takes watering. It takes someone faithfully preaching the word. Sunday class teachers faithfully teaching the word and all of us being committed to doing that. And therefore that takes patience and we need patience to lead and we need patience to follow. Right. And the last one, this is the shortest point. I promise preaching the word differentiates between those who love self and those who love God. So we're committed to the preaching of the word. And this is maybe an odd one. But it differentiates between those who love self and those who love God's word. I'm going to read through verses 3 through 4. So look down on verses 3 through 4. 
And I want you to notice, I want you to notice how God distinguishes those people who don't have a desire for the preaching of God's word. Biblical preaching actually differentiates between those <clears throat> who love God and love themselves and love their own sinful passions. So notice the wills of this text. Verse 3, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will. So notice this is their desire. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions, their own desires. Verse 4, and will turn away from listening to the truth and will wander off into myths. What's interesting about this text is that it's not that some people don't want preaching. It's that they want preaching that affirms their feelings. They want preaching that agrees with their desires. They want a certain type of preaching. It's not like they're rejecting preaching altogether. They might not even, quote unquote, reject Christianity altogether. Although it's their own form of Christianity. They want a certain type of Christianity. They want a certain type of preaching. And it's a preaching that makes them feel good. That feeds their own passions, their own sinful passions. And so they go after preaching that is not sound teaching. It itches their ears. In other words, it's something they like hearing. It's, it's preach, preaching that suits their passions. It suits their affections. It's preaching that turns them away from the truth. In 2004, I entered into a pastoral role in South Carolina, and over the years, I've heard a number of reasons why people leave churches, and one of the most common ones I've heard is that people don't feel like they're being fed spiritually, and the truth is, that's actually legitimate sometimes. I think that's a legitimate excuse or reason that people give, but also from experience, I've realized that some people say that. And eventually it comes out that really what they wanted wasn't that they wanted a different preacher. They really just didn't like the type of preaching. They didn't like biblical preaching. It wasn't making them feel the way they wanted to feel. One example was a, as a young couple that my wife and I were friends with. We, they served in the children's ministry at the church. They grew up in Christian homes. I mean, it seemed like a very solid couple. And so one day they sat down with me and said they were going to leave the church. They just didn't feel like they were being fed at the church. Which, again, kind of would shock me because I'm like, I listened to Dean, who was my pastor at the time, and like he was a great expositor. I was like, he's probably one of the best expositors I've ever heard. So I didn't really understand it, but, you know, it sounds so spiritual. Well, if you're not being fed, you probably should go somewhere else. You know, so it sounds so spiritual, so go ahead and go somewhere else. That's fine. And, we, you know, we were sad, but we blessed them as they left. Well, it's interesting. A couple years went by, and he divorced his wife, left his children, and today, he's living a life of homosexuality in Greenville, South Carolina. And what I realized years later, and it really makes me sad to think about this, what I realized years later is what he was leaving was not to go find somewhere to grow spiritually. He wanted preaching that could suit his own passions. And probably at some point in his own heart, in his own life, he decided to follow those sinful passions. And that's what this text is talking about. And so therefore, he was led away from sound teaching. It didn't make him feel good. He wanted to live for himself. He wanted to fulfill, fulfill his own desires. So he's listened to preaching. He was convicted and thought, I don't like that. I'm going to go somewhere that can feed my soul. But his soul was filled with himself. 
And this is a warning for us. I think this is a warning for us that when, when we allow self and we allow our sinful passions to control our hearts, it will lead us away from biblical preaching. And so preaching God's word, it does separate, it does distinguish those who love God from those who love themselves and their sinful passions. Oops. So as we conclude, as we conclude here, let me ask, how can we apply this? Let me just give two applications. First of all, will you commit, will you commit with me, with the elders, with this church to support the preaching of God's word? What does that mean to support the preaching of God's word? Well, one of the ways we do that is we give. We give to missionaries who are going around the world, and we're supporting those missionaries to preach God's word there. So support the preaching of God's word. And support the preaching of God's word as well in prayer. It's really strange. Last night, I got a few texts from people saying they're praying for me. This morning, I got a few texts from people saying they're praying for me. It doesn't normally happen, but that is definitely appreciated. And so pray for me, pray for our congregation, go through our directory and pray for each person as they sit under the preaching of God's word. I would say another one is love and come alongside those in our church who will stand in this pulpit and are preparing to preach the word. Right now we have Carl and Connor and Ankles who are all in the seminary. And these guys, frankly, will be gone in a couple years, that's going to be sad, but also it's going to be something to rejoice in because if you are involved in, in equipping them, when they go stand in a pulpit, there's a part of you in that pulpit. You've invested in someone who is going to be able to carry on the truth beyond this place here. And I think the other way to support the preaching of God's word is by serving. What those guys are doing up in the sound booth back there and, and what those ladies are doing in the children's church and, and nursery and what security is doing right now. Do you know why they're doing that? They're doing that to support what's going on in here. So, so when you do that, when you serve in those ways, you're supporting the preaching of God's word. So second, support the preaching of God's word. And, and, and I mean, first, support the preaching of God's word. And second... Commit to grow under the preaching of God's word. Commit to grow under the preaching of God's word. I think it means a couple of things. I think it means bring our Bibles. That's one thing I get surprised about is people don't bring their Bibles. And I know you have your phone or whatever, but, but even that, some people don't bring that out. Like how many times have I said, look down at this? And if you haven't looked down, you're kind of missing the point, right? So bring your Bible. And I would say also take notes, Write something down, maybe on Monday morning that you can read that, or maybe throughout the week you can review that. Talk to other people about it. Be, don't just be hearers, be doers. Go out and say, how can I share this with someone else? How can I live this in my life? Let's be committed to growing under the ministry of the word. Church, I hope you know that I am under no illusions that I am a dynamic preacher. <laughs> but I do believe that God has called me to faithfully do what I'm doing right now. And I hope by his grace, I can do that for years to come. And I hope you will join me as we worship the Lord and put ourselves under the ministry of the word. Let's pray.